You are listening to the Loitering and Unarmed podcast, an unapologetic conversation with fellow social justice warriors to engage in radical talk that inspires radical results for Ohio's poorest city. Hosted by Izzy and Jay, two East Cleveland provocateurs committed to narrative change and economic justice. So this is uh, Loitering and Unarmed podcast. Uh, We just had an amazing... um, uh, I just had an amazing um, event uh, pop up at the East Cleveland Public Library. So this is just real raw, right after the fact. Um, Immediate reactions uh, with one of our guest speakers uh, of our, uh, you know, on on our first ever critical community conversations um, that Loiter Voice and Culture is hosting. And uh, we had, you know, a, a really, really amazing conversation with Dr. Thea James, uh, uh, Zaki Rashid, and my man Tim Lampkin, who came over here, up here, from Mississippi, or as they say, Mississippi. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's really the sip, but... Oh, uh, the sip, okay. <laughs> from the sip. So, um, just, you know... First off, thanks for, for, for coming. Thanks for, 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 for joining and giving so much passion and energy to the room. Uh, it complemented the, the realities of the space and, and, the, and the thoughts that people in the community are having around like what's next and how do we move. So I got to, again, thanks so much for coming. And it's a pleasure uh, to have you just qu- real quick, you know, introduction. Who are you? What were you here for? Immediate reactions to to our first ever community critical community conversations. Yeah, appreciate the invitation to be in this space. I think I was so excited when you extended the invitation for me to come because I know that this community means so much to you, very much so. My community means so much to me, and so I'm Tim Lampkin from Clarksdale, Mississippi. Um, originally born in Chicago with roots. Um, And so my family has been in Mississippi for a very long time. And so I have been working in Clarksdale, which is North Mississippi, um, and in the Mississippi Delta. uh, People pretty much know that area for like the home of the blues, the culture that black people created from literally the struggle of trying to create a better world, better solutions for themselves. And so uh, I have the pleasure of leading an organization called Higher Purpose Co., uh, which I founded and became the CEO of that organization to really support black entrepreneurship, black business ownership. And so we work with 300 black entrepreneurs, farmers and artists across the state of Mississippi and I came here today to really share one, my unique perspective of like doing the work on the ground with community. And two, because I understand like how important this work is and how working together with different organizations and entities and people in the community is really critical to like moving the needle and and creating that change and then third just like 
this is a black community, right? So, yep. like, I want I want this community to win because that alone within itself um, is rewarding to me. And so, it was just great to be in that room and for me to show up in the space um, to reaffirm, to validate you, uh, my brother, as everything is unfolding. Like right before I, this is not. Uh, just the idea anymore right yeah. and I, I just want to just commend you for being persistent and staying true to like those hours and hours yeah. of conversations that we <laughs> talked about are like making this a reality and so um i you know i commend you for doing all of that and i think one of the things that a quick takeaway from the conversation today that definitely passion running through the room definitely ideas there's also um with any type of change there's the skepticism of like is this possible are we able to do this in this amount of time and so honestly all of that is a great combination of ingredients to really create um, something beautiful because it doesn't take everybody um buying into um this vision uh, you have to in my opinion you extend the opportunity for people to participate and give them the agency to whether participate or decline and so this is not difficult unless you um, make it difficult right I, I think there's very much so practical things that you can do in terms of next steps but the reality is, is that um there's so much work to do and so to get caught up into um the different perspectives and differences like that's going to deter the larger vision like you can have a civil discourse and agree to disagree and still be committed to the same vision yeah right exactly. and it's not about your way it's about what's the way um, what's the best way for the community to move? And I think you, as a leader, um, you know, you have basically taking on taking on this 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 challenge of like I want to do this, but essentially you are creating other opportunities for other people to lead because you also realize that you can't do this by yourself. And so that's why I'm here because yeah. to support that in in every you know possible way. No, I, that that's you. You hit it because the the key is for me to. It, it, it's such a complicated piece for me because I'm very entrepreneurial, right? I'm very like I'm. I talked about it on the previous uh, episode when I was talking to Brother Ibrahim around like, um, uh, just how, how much of this cap of, of this of capitalism runs in our veins, right? Because we were. We came up in this reality, and so we pull from bits and pieces of something that we know is not, you know, doesn't serve us, but it's just kind of, you know, part of what we are part of. So it's hard to divorce ourselves from some of these things that, that mold our way of thinking. At the same time, there's value in moving in, 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 in that space because we don't, we're not in control of, you know, our spaces and how and, and the norms of how businesses are started and launched and scaled and, and all these other things. So uh, Loiter is trying to um, live within these two realities of, hey, there is an active business that Loiter owns that 
is collaborative, that is launched by me, that is going to hold space for others to jump in. So this is a straight up like business that we're inviting people to join in with their property, with their investment, so they can have equity stake in the business of Loiter. So that's one piece. The other piece is the the social criticism that's needed uh, to to position these companies that we're creating collectively on the for-profit side to place it on what that new track could be, which is a non-extractive version of capitalism. So standing it up in a reality that says we you can't be neutral on a moving train, right? Then the capitalism is moving. We we walk out the door and we you know, literally are, are breathing in the effects of an extractive capitalism because of the pollution that comes in our communities or whatever. So with us establishing our, our about time fund, which I did, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to get into in my conversation because I, um, I kind of like, I'm not a public speaker. Like that's not like, this is not, not my, um, I'm not comfortable being in front of large groups, um, but I do think it's time for all of us to lean in differently and make the, make ourselves uncomfortable to really address the things that we can actually change in our communities. And so for me, it was create a platform to talk clearly about the issues as it relates to um, East Cleveland and invite others to 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 show what's possible and then and then on the ground what we look to do is put you know every two weeks or whatever some period to get together as a community to talk about these critical conversation series that are happening monthly and then also talk about how we can actually put them into action on the ground with the assets and resources that we have as the East Cleveland community and so it was a no-brainer to bring in Tim because he's like it just was like number one I've been talking about this for a while and to be able to to, to share you know in vulnerable spaces of route can I actually do it is it possible and then working through some of that and then finally being able to say actually this is where it's at. I mean, it's, you know, that's, that's, it's been, um, it's just, again, I can't state like what it means to have you be able to, to be in the room with me in East Cleveland, um, while I'm beginning to launch this. So, um, as it relates to East Cleveland, we didn't get a chance to ride through fully East Cleveland. And unfortunately when we leave, it's going to be dark. Um, but, we did a, a small drive around. You came through Cleve. You came through Cleveland. Uh, I'm sorry, Cleveland Clinic up underneath the bridge. You probably noticed a, a straight up like mm-hmm. stop in development, right? Um, you may not have noticed that over to the right, um, uh, President Garfield is, is is buried right in that cemetery in East Cleveland, right? And it's actually a beautiful monument um, that's sitting in East Cleveland, right? Um, Elliot Ness is buried in that cemetery, right? Um, Al Lerner, like other, you know, Rockefeller. So these people are buried here in East Cleveland, right? So that shows, um, again, like the value of East Cleveland on a, on, on a national and global scale of where it was positioned previously. And also how East Cleveland has three and a half square miles 
was built to um, create, accumulate, and and transfer wealth um, and keep it tight in the first suburb of Cleveland, which was East Cleveland, to make sure that that wealth stayed here. So you had all of these things that were intentionally built to serve the needs of the community with all the money that was being made in East Cleveland. GE is in, is, was, was, was in East Cleveland, right? It still is. I think they have one small um, division left, but there was a powerhouse. It was once called the, 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 city, the, the University of Light. Neela, Neela Park is there. It was the first ever um, uh, industrial park that was built in the United States, and it's, it's still there. Um, and so with that, Standard Oil was, was offices, you know, like was, was founded here by Rockefeller, right? And you got the railroads that were moving the stuff. So, so, <laughs> so the, whole point, the whole point of me laying this all out is to showcase about what was previously possible in East Cleveland as it relates to three and a half square miles and the types of people that were living here and the amount of wealth that was accumulated here and the, and the, and the community um, resources that people were able to tap into because of the amount of wealth that people held. And then when you disinvest in communities, you see the absence of that. And so as you drove through, and like what, you know, you've been around. It's not like it's a surprise that what happens in black communities. But was there anything that was unique to East Cleveland that you noticed? Yeah, so... There is a lot of opportunity, particularly around housing. Um, the housing stock here is amazing. And I know like visually, right, mm-hmm. there are some things that need to be corrected and repaired. But like when you look at the variety of housing that's available and some of the infrastructure that surrounds it, that is definitely like a huge asset to this community um i think the other part that i did get a chance to see some of the green space mm-hmm. um, that exists uh, in and around the community uh, again you're already in that vein of like community ownership land ownership cultivating growing your own food what does that look like practically but why is that important like i i you know like they hear from me that maybe they need to hear from somebody else why is that important i mean for one it's like you are in the control of like honestly like the health disparities of your community if you are literally eating the food that you grow um in a very direct you know from the from the ground to the kitchen table like that is a very practical way to know the quality and the um the the supply chain of the food and so we know that in black communities um there are lack of um grocery stores there's a lack of fresh access to fresh food and then they're supplemented with fast food chains and other things that are not good for our bodies and so um, the mere fact that you have this land that can be used as an asset to not only teach and train and and create a new skill set but also the ripple effect of that would be around addressing some of the health disparities physically uh in you know in the community which we know that that's a that's an important issue to really create um a sustainable community it's not just to to look look like 
healthy communities, like to, to really be healthy in all possible ways. And I think expanding the definition of like what health means, expanding the definition of what wealth means uh, is critical, like particularly to this phase. And that might look different from, you know, our community in Mississippi. There might be some similarities, but I think it's important for, you know, this community, East Cleveland, to really define those words that they're going to use to be a way to really explain um, here's how we're moving and here's why we're doing it different. So I'm going to ask you a question around, so, because some of the pushback that I know I'm getting from some of the community members, right? It's like, okay, you come with your idea of loiter, right? It seems like I got I to gotta bow down to, to, to what loiter is doing, right? And you're just going to do it and I'm just going to jump in on what you're doing and you know what, uh, I, I want to start my own thing and you know I, I is there any in your opinion like is there is there is is how should I answer that how how do I um navigate that question because like I said as part of it is me being an entrepreneur and we need to have small businesses open up in East Cleveland and it does need to be led by someone um so I and and and, and I'm being you know some of the pushback is like you kind of are being be, maybe being too paternalistic right and so um just trying to check against my strategy with somebody who who knows me deeply and also understands like the need for control like so just like what explain just help i'm honestly asking like what is <laughs> like what's what are some of the flaws in in my model right like well i mean i think it's important to like have a model that is, um, in my opinion, uh, flexible enough where th- there's room to adjust, right? Um, I think the urgency, however, if we really want to put this in perspective, requires there to be a very bold vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what you're presenting is the foundation of that. I think in some regards, there are aspects of what you're building um, that everyone may not get, everyone may not be excited about. But because you're building out these different enterprises, there's literally something for everyone to really be passionate about, to, 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 to dive in and roll up their sleeves and support. And at the same time, the larger vision of like moving a community collectively towards this thing let's just be honest like that's scary within itself yeah and so i think you are um being challenged with that reality of like what is this big thing because i don't get it because it's big and now you're also thinking about well yes you are from here but you're coming back and so are your intentions pure how long are you going to be back and if this if this doesn't work like are you going to move on to the next thing and i think part of this is like one you wouldn't have came back if you didn't believe in this, mm-hmm. right? And two, you wouldn't be bringing people that you trust that are uh, dedicated to their own, you know, uh, capacity of being experts in their different areas to like be a part of this if there was no like commitment. What's going to be critical though, and you know, we've talked about this, is making sure that the vision doesn't begin and end with you, right? right? It's so how do you make sure that if you had to 
move for whatever reason, right, that the vision remains. And so that's why it's important that everybody understands like their role so yes you gotta go for two weeks to do something else that's okay but the work continues because everyone knows the vision I know my role I know my place in this and so I think historically when we look at black-led organizations there is this very like you know head person in charge and that person makes all these rules and decisions and and we know because i know yeah. you like that's not how you move but we also have to understand that's the context of like what what people are used to that there's one person making all the decisions and it's a very like top-down approach and so i think you have to one give yourself enough grace and simultaneously understand that the people that are going to be a part of this will continue to show up yeah no and that's that's very that's that's super helpful that's super helpful and another chat so so can i i'm gonna drive down a little bit more into it is around like the next so we've said before loiter is is is, is a place and a concept and then jamal and i have talked about this that the, the fact that east cleveland has such a negative narrative uh that people literally think of east cleveland and i mean i mentioned before in the previous episode that our you know, our our senator even said it looks like a bomb went off here. You got political, you know, our elected leaders saying that you go from where you where you were staying up around uh, University Circle, you go from you know Shangri La to Beirut. Like if you got that reality, you got a, a fictitious place of Shangri La and then an actual physical place. So now, so now you're you're talking about two different extremes. Our the, my thinking was narrative control narrative change needs to happen from from a position of authority and a position of of ownership uh and so loiter in and of itself is is it's a place and it's a way of being it's trying to create it's trying to again edify our community to be able to say we have the right to claim our space right to have the right to 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 open our businesses the way that we want to open them while at the same time is under this banner of loiter, which represents a, a, a broader goal, which is to move from a an extractive version of capitalism. So loiter for East Cleveland is waving the flag of emancipation. And so if if that concept is too, you know, it's too too complex, right? It's because the situation is complex, right? So I'm trying, so I'm trying to drill down and say, like, is the, the 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 our strategy of we have a parent company where we we have subsidiaries, kind of like Apple, right? I'm sorry, sorry kind of like Google, right? Alphabet is at the top, and they got like you know Android. You can so people can invest in these different bits and pieces to where if Voice and Culture, which is this entity right now, which is the 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 podcast the book series the the, the you know the the you know all, all of that that enterprise if it becomes compromised either financially or because of the people who were leading this bit of work does not affect the actual organization of loiter so we're trying to create these barriers right from the beginning i'm from for, of risk to make sure that we don't lose control of our destiny by by structuring in a way that other larger entities and enterprises have actually begun their organization was right from the beginning so that is my thinking 
and I've never really expressed it like that with anybody. Um, so I want to kind of get some, see if you understand that, if it's like, if, what are the flaws in it? Like, again, I'm just checking against myself. I'm not, cause that's how I like to do. So I'm doing this live, real, real, real. Yeah. Real so I think the logic of it makes sense. I think as you are approaching funders and investors, I think it, it would be very essential to understand like where's the local investment Mm -hmm. you know from the people right and so that's part of what i was speaking to earlier that without without that piece it's going to be harder for other entities to like invest in this because we know that capital is going to be very critical to like building all of these enterprises and so mm-hmm. i think showing where where are the local dollars and i'm not saying like you have to get you know foundations or banks or anything like that to come to the table that would be nice if they willingly come to the table but not forcing people to, to yeah. be a part of it but at the same time okay what are the local community organizations investing into this what are the local churches doing like what are, like all those entities that make up people and capital in a very much so a broader sense, I think, are going to be critical to sustaining each organization. So if I care about voice and culture, then I need to be invested in that some type of mm-hmm. way. If I care about Lord of Sports, like I need to be invested like and so on and so on. Yeah. And so I think creating those different pathways where people can invest their time, their talent, um, you know, and, and their resources, financial resources, too, to make sure that those different entities are like standing up. I think too, part of this is showing people what is possible. And I think you're doing that in a couple of different ways, practically like with this conversation that you had today, also with the podcast and also, you know, the recent uh, launch of the teas, those practical things is like, here we are, we're doing this. Mm -hmm. That is always like a part of it, um, much larger strategy. And this is also like doubling down or strengthening like this whole piece around narrative, right? Because people have to see something for them to create a different type of narrative if people wouldn't have came today i can just imagine like what the thoughts would have been and so there are people that decided not to come there are people that decided to come Mm -hmm. i think for whatever reason right there is a different type of narrative to happening so part of it is trying to make sure that there's a very singular narrative around east cleveland Mm -hmm. and really um, controlling that to your point be, to say like okay when a news station comes to East Cleveland what story are they telling right is are you only going to talk about what's not happening or are you are you also going to like lift up and give like both sides of the story right yes we know we have problems with X Y and Z here's what we're doing about it right and I think that is also like very critical because at the end of the day like Y'all don't need to be reminded about what's not working and what y'all don't have. Like, y'all know that. Right. Um, it's not necessarily uh, even beneficial um, unless we're talking about it in the vein of, like, reaching a solution. If we're just going to keep complaining about the same thing, you're going to keep getting the same result. And so all of that is, like, tied into, like, the, the narrative of change piece. And then you have to change, like, who this, the narrators are, right? right? And Which is part of this podcast. Exactly. But also, too, like, 
the political piece is a whole other landscape that you may never be able to like control but what you can control is how your neighbors feel about the neighborhood how do your neighbors think about east cleveland and being able to capture those stories hey what's what's one word that describes east cleveland to you right now and being able to capture that in a way that that's the reality right it's not trying to change that like in that moment but like okay i hear you i get that right and then offering up the opportunity to say what can we do to change that so three months from now six months from now a year from now when you come back and ask the same person right what's the word that describes east cleveland there's a huge shift in that and so i think part of that takes time but also you just have to be intentional in how you're like framing everything and yeah it's it's a bold vision for a bold time for a community that is ready and like and i mean ready to really shift and and it's very obvious from all the commitment and the passion that was in the room today yeah no for sure and to mention one more one more piece around action that lawyer is doing right there's the homes piece too and that homes and and everything is tying to that narrative like there's i challenge anybody to say i'm choosing to stay in east cleveland if i'm in town for an event right because of that strong narrative so what we want to be able to do is we've got our sanctuary homes piece which of course is attached to the narrative we are going to talk about the realities on the ground also talking about the beauty of beautifying spaces with growing you know the tea that you can actually purchase online or even be served you know in you know at at that sanctuary home so i think and, and that and, and that's why it's so tied into um, the the action that we're doing on the ground, the narrative that we're trying to to shift, and again that that and including other people into the conversation. So we're not, and that's why I'm like I'm I I'm, I want people to challenge what Lauder is doing. I want people to say, hey. Um, I get I get this, but I don't get this, right? Because we need to, and we we what we're saying is, we have a platform to be used, right? We have, um, in multiple spaces, we've got fifteen oh one Euclid Avenue, which is going to be activated by the people in the community, right? Um, we'll have our our business will be in there, but so will other businesses be in there, right? And then we'll all co-own the space at fifteen oh one Euclid. This 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 podcast. What are the voices that need to be included into this? There's there's mine, there's Jamal's, there's his network, my network, and anyone else who wants to be a part of this, that's going to shape the narrative, right? The same deal with with being a part of the 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 tea cooperative that you mentioned. Like your home is a valuable asset and so is that property that you can actually acquire that can actually begin to grow and produce on the land that we can actually secure, uh, a, 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 you know, secure a purchase both online with the marketplace that we are investing in, that you can now put those products online for you to sell. So we're removing the barriers to entry for others who typically don't have the resources that we are getting from either outside investors or or philanthropists who agree with the strategy. So we invite people to jump in either 
with the land that they currently are control with an opportunity that's next door to them that they can actually control it we we partner with uh, with with food depot to health to manage the land so you don't have to you don't even have to be an urban farmer we got the urban farmers we just want to beautify the space in the community in the community and then when you beautify the space and community by default the property value goes up and we don't need to wait for for other people to move into our communities to increase the value of our home in fact um i was thinking about um and you'll see like if when you look at the vet the actual stored value that's in people's homes when you just look at raw materials you're talking about period homes you know uh you know uh cherry wood that's not painted right oak right like wide pine like all of this stuff um if you were to just take it as raw materials the value, the raw value to sell that on the tertiary market, if we were to deconstruct the home and sell it, would actually be more than what the the house is actually valued at. And so when you devalue home, that means you're ignoring the actual true value of a home. And so I think, how do we share the actual value of of our spaces, our if, if the system is telling us what the value is, right? So that's the, that's the, the critical critical question so the system is telling us what the value is yeah you go you go to zillow and it's like okay your, your house is valued at twenty five thousand dollars. well like, dang i got cherry wood i got exposed beams i got like a, you know <laughs> uh a wraparound uh you know banister upstairs but it's only this way because it's a black community and like is this the, like why yeah i mean i think that is the system and i think at the same time it's like creating your own system that values homes i think Mm -hmm. there's a way that that can be more community driven community led right so taking kind of the the practical business aspect of it and then what does the community value i mean there's so many ways that that can be community led and community controlled right where you creating your own you know, directory or register of like, here's the value of the homes, right? Not because, and this is not based on, you know, what traditional like market value says, but like what the community feels is like valuable, right? And that can be because someone grew up in that home. It could be because the location of that home, right? It can just be because what that home means to so many other people. All of those different things, you know, that have you, seen, have you seen any of these? I'm again, I'm just like, this is great. Like, have you seen the model? Like, I haven't this is, seen a good that. idea. I haven't seen that model, but as we were talking about it, I was just like, oh, this could be yeah, this could no. be a, a good idea. I mean, especially where you have, um, you know, the more recent like discrimination uh, with home appraisals, mm-hmm. right? Where if it's a you know, white owned home you're going to get a higher value if it's a black versus a black on home right so practically it's like how do you offer up your own context around the value of that home and i think it's really rooted in like the the community aspect i think making sure that the community understands the you know the more of the like the traditional system that um that really kind of dominates that but that doesn't have to be like the end all be all when it comes to understanding like and making sure that the home has a value that is appropriate to the community so i think that's like 
that's one thing to to think about and figure out how to like I mean, that's a call. Like, I, that could be a call. Like, man, who, who and again, we, we, a lot of us are in the house flipping space, right? And it's kind of like what we do. And so I guess I'm going to put a call out there to people like, hey, help us value our homes differently so we can go to the table and say, hey, I see that you, this house is only valued at X. But when we go in there and look at these metrics and we actually apply these to give our, our walkability score and things like that to whatever it is is assessing uh, our value, um, this is what we value it at. And I think that that would be a really cool project that somebody could jump in on, as, as you mentioned, even on the panel. Like, what are the things that people are interested in and how can people jump in? Because that would be a very powerful and even scalable model. That wouldn't affect just East Cleveland. That would affect other disinvested communities um, to to create a platform for an alternative way of valuing our homes, which of course we know this is part of the reason that is holding back, you know, opportunities for us to leverage our property, to send our children to school, to 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 to, to raise capital for businesses, all these other things. That so I I, I mean you brought up really I mean I like to play around with ideas, <laughs> and I don't want to throw in another like Lord of Appraisals, you know. <laughs> no, <laughs> on on, on not not platform. suggesting that I think it, I think it can fit directly into you know this approach that you're already uh, taking in terms of this more broader perspective around like ownership and and what that means i think again even if this is just a this this idea around you know creating your own kind of metrics and system around you know home appraisals that is the beginning of like just a continuous community engagement so it doesn't have to be just a program or another initiative initiative it can literally be this is how we start the community engagement right because then once you do that you're gonna have more people involved and they're gonna be like oh what's next like i want to help with something else because this was impactful i see the impact and i think that's like really critical like just thinking about what is something that can happen tomorrow where people can see the impact and i think understanding that in multiple different ways and across the enterprises is going to be crucial because um, the vision is big, which I commend. And at the same time, it's like, how do you move daily towards that larger vision? And it's making sure you're taking, you know, those steps in the right direction. And so being able to um, condense the vision into tangible like and here's how you plug in mm-hmm. here's what you can do here's how you can be a part of this right um will be crucial to getting to that larger vision because everybody needs to understand that whatever that that they're doing is going to funnel up to that that larger vision yeah what are some of the challenges um that you you had you know your early on coming in uh, again, everybody know, knowing that 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 Tim's model is not is not mine. It's a different model, but there's similarities there, and then and then wrap that around the difference between economic justice and economic development, um, because that really is the, that's that's the, I think that's the, one one of one of the the, the kernels that 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 exists between both of our two organizations, um, and so and then talk about wealth building like those 
those pieces and that's a lot yeah so that yeah so so i guess if i I, that's that's a horrible podcast delivery okay i'm supposed to have those and 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 have them in my back pocket and ask them later on so first is what are the challenges you've had as you've opened as you began to move in your spaces yeah so let's be very clear like i'm still having challenges right so i think that's just like comes with the job right that you know, like I said earlier, like this type of work is not for the week. And I'm still facing challenges around the work that we're doing um, locally uh, in Clarksdale and even just like as we're, you know, scaling across the state. So uh, I don't want to, you know, paint the picture that, you know, we're not running into challenges. But I will say what we've learned early on is that um, listening um, to the community is essential and making sure that when people show up into spaces um that whatever title that they have that that title does not exist in that space and that is for really for any political leader that mayor city council yes your name is you know jack and today you are jack Mm -hmm. in this room you're jack you're not mayor whatever you're because again what i realize is that if we put too much weight or hope or trust into um, the political leaders, we also know that political leaders change because of elections, right? Mm -hmm. And so one of the challenges that we ran into was like, well, how involved do we want to engage the political leaders in our community, right? And we got a little bit pushback on that. Well, you know, you can just call like the county and the city and like, yeah, they can get this done. Well, they haven't right. gotten yeah, it done yeah. in like all this time. So like, why are we, like, why do we feel like that is, I wouldn't say like the immediate way to like make change without like first coming amongst ourselves and saying like, oh, you know, we can do this without we don't need permission to gather and to mm-hmm. come up with ideas right now. There might be some some type of more practical like policy that needs to shift, and that takes putting pressure on local um, city leaders and county leaders and all in that regard. But at the end of the day, like the change that you're talking about, the change that we're working on, must transcend political agendas. It must transcend the election cycles and seasons and the political aspirations of people that want to jump on and be a part of this because it's the new thing and like I want people to know like I'm for it you can be for it and still not show up in the space where you're throwing your political weight yeah unless it's to benefit like the greater good and if it's genuine so I think that that is a challenge and also an opportunity like as you're exploring this um, I think the other thing that we thought about too is that, you know, leading this work in a predominantly black community, the challenge is, is that the reality that every black person is not going to mm-hmm. be for it. And that is okay. Yeah. And at the same time, that doesn't mean that we dismiss or disregard. A different perspective right I think you welcome that because one it helps you see 
gaps if, if they exist and also helps refine that larger vision. And so I think early on, as we were building this out, um, some of the challenges that we ran into was that like, okay, is this going to be just a, a initiative, right. right? Is this just a thing because you saw this and you got all these big ideas. And so how can we believe in you? Because one, like, I've been trying to do X, Y, and Z for years. And like this other organization has done that for years. And so I think the challenge is also like finding the right combination of people that understand like what your community has been and what it's been through. And also like truly understand where the community can go and like that that kind of spectrum of insight and wisdom, right, grounds you deeper and deeper to like, okay, this is the vision. And it's like a continuous like refinement of it. I think one of the challenges I ran into was like, I had locked in on the vision so soon that it was so scary for folks to be like, wait, you going you trying to do statewide and I, I started talking about statewide three years ago mm-hmm. and that within itself it was like oh wait how you're just you know like yeah. help me understand how do you move in that way and so I know that the vision here is much so like localized to this community but even if it's like well this enterprise is going to start first and then this one's going to start in three months and six months yeah. even that is like well wait you're trying to do too much too soon and all of that. And so being able to um, help people arrive to the vision in their own way um, on their own time is also just like a, it's a challenging opportunity, yeah. right? And I think as you're leading this, it's important for you to have these like touch points to be like, okay, let me check in like, Is the vision still the same? Is it still, are we still good? Are we moving in the right way? And that doesn't mean that the vision might not change because part of this is just refining. It's not to. It's iterative. Right. Absolutely. Right. Because the problem that you're solving is multifaceted, multi layered. So it takes this very much so like a radical uh, approach. And And that's the key. It's like the. We. It's like, if we're talking about things that are systemic, what are all the systems that need to be dismantled, right? So um, my thinking is really around, I'm doing it through, I'm calling it enterprise-based activism. So that's very clear. We want to build enterprises, and we want those enterprises to be in a position to, to, to move policy and move, move communities differently, right, based upon ownership, Right, ownership of those enterprises and that ownership because it's in our ethos to make sure it's inclusive and to make sure that people can jump in in a cooperative way. When we do it from the beginning with alignment, then when you scale up outside of East Cleveland, loiter apiaries and farms can plop into, I don't know, East St. Louis. Same strategy done under the same name, scaling up those same types of businesses with the same type of investors, which are those community investors who are investing their time, their own 
either their property and you know their own dollars to scale up something that's serving you know products you know across the globe in an industry that has always been in existence for thousands and thousands of years which is teak and that is a multi-billion dollar enterprise that's not going anywhere that actually only seeks is showing growth over eight to twelve percent over the next 10 years so why not the same way you're looking at coffee and these outside countries that are you know need our support and have this kind of like supply chain that's going to move more equitable in when in the beginning it was all extractive and now that we're shifting to being more fair trade and things like that well okay well this is a version of saying this is fair to the people who have been excluded from owning property and owning a part of the supply chain and making sure that when it's grown is produced by a black owned company when it's delivered it's delivered by a black owned company when it's when it's when it's marketed it's delivered it's marketed by a black owned. so that is what we're trying to do and so if if we have if we have an enterprise like nestle that has all these subsidiaries and you unpack how many companies are underneath this behemoth that operates very extractively and exclusive, we could do the exact same thing with a very inclusive economic model that includes people with leveraging the collective assets and 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 desires to to to, to own our own future, leveraging our own property and intellectual both intellectually and physical. You right. just laid out was a very clear um separation or difference between kind of the the traditional like economic development versus like economic justice right so when you think about local economic development agencies they're not thinking about okay is this company going to hire what the community looks like right it's the community's 85 percent 95 percent black are you going to hire from this community are you going to pay not just minimum wage above wage because of the historical disinvestment into this community right those conversations are not happening right it's Mm -hmm. like oh big company from wherever is coming in buying this plant we're going to like subsidize the fact that they're coming in they don't have to pay taxes for 10 years and they're going to create 30 jobs Right. That's economic mm-hmm. development, right? right? It's yeah. the it's the leveraging these like very traditional tools around creating an excitement around something coming in. Right? right? It's very like yeah. You're not from here, but we're going to make you feel at home and we're going to give you all of this because you decided to like pick our place. And so we're so thankful that you picked East Cleveland yeah. to like create this plant that's going to hire 20 people and pay them minimum wage because for us that is economic development and you were already put in a position to have that business be more mature in the first place to be able to drop this business into the community to be able to hire people so anyway go ahead. yeah and there's like the local subsidies there's yep. the state subsidies right whatever all of those things and so it's like why can't we do that for a business that's already here hey like jesse cakes like we know you want to like expand from your home to a building here's a building no taxes for 10 years we can do that right Mm -hmm. but part of that is like shifting from this mindset of economic development to economic justice right to make sure that people that 
look like us own these spaces and it's coupled with like the right type of resources and investments it's not just enough to say hey go create a business if there's no tangible resources to move in that direction and i think the other part of this too it is not just about um having a space that you rent it's just not about creating the 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 same cycle that got us here in the first place. But it's what? a black business. We created black businesses. What's wrong with that? And they rent the space. What's wrong with? I mean, I thought we were about creating black businesses. Creating black businesses is important, and at the same time, that should lead, in my opinion, lead to a pathway of ownership. If you are going into a building, that first conversation should be okay. I am going to rent this with the plan to own it, and that needs to be in the contract over a three year, whatever, three year, five year period, it shouldn't be like, I'm just gonna rent it until like, I can't rent it no more. No, the pathway, it should be very clear and intentional that like, no, we want you to own this building. And we know you can't do it right now, but we're gonna create the pathway to do it. We're gonna build those resources. But me as a developer, why would I just give my property away to you like that? I mean, really? You you weren't in position to have this, this property. I mean, rent it and pay me $2 million over the next 15 years. I don't know what to tell you. Well, I mean, the property is just literally sitting there anyway. You're paying taxes on it. And, well, maybe paying taxes on it. I mean, from the visual eye, we think people are paying taxes on, on things to, to ensure that they keep their properties. But at the same time, it's like it benefits the entire community when there's a more intentional direction. It shouldn't just be just a initiative uh because it's a trend right mm -hmm. i mean our work we were talking about black business ownership before the pandemic yeah. before all of these horrific events right. happened in our community and then it became a trend right and also too like if we're going to be honest like it became a trend because the larger society right needed a distraction mm -hmm. from like the real systemic change around creating better policies as it relates to criminal justice and like how um our police forces show up and supposedly you know you know tech protect mm -hmm. us and so i think at the same time it's like if we're going to have the conversation about black business ownership that needs to be matched with the same energy of like the tangible resources to invest uh, in a way and to the community organizations that are on the ground doing this work you should equally invest in them as well right you shouldn't say hey lord or like go create 50 businesses because that's the right thing to do <clears throat> put our logo on this flyer and let people know like they can come to our bank and like apply for a loan right mm -hmm. no it's like hey we're going to invest a million dollars into loiter and another million dollar fund just for black and brown businesses yeah. in east cleveland and you know what we're going to do those loans at zero interest rate no collateral needed right no i mean all of those things that and they're possible possible so possible because <laughs> we saw it in the pandemic yeah. we saw people oh you know what you don't have to make payments for six months or a yeah. year because what's happening globally right now it's a it's a pandemic it's the urgency it's the critical um, moment that we understand that this has never happened before and so we have to show up differently well where was all that before the pandemic because black and brown people wherever we are in the country right there are a population of us that were still struggling like before yeah. the pandemic yeah. and so let's not pretend that 
these new policies and procedures have to go away, right? I think when you're operating in that traditional vein of capitalism, then you're gonna like continue to like reinforce the same policies. But like, who is challenging these financial institutions to show up differently and maintain the same level of like empathy and compassion and wokeness, right? That they were showing, you know, in the middle of like the pandemic and things were happening um, to our people. And so um, that's when you get into like the economic justice, when you can go and say, hey, these long terms don't work for my community. You're in my community. Do you want us to like, rally our community and have us like move all our assets to another bank that wants to do business with us not just in talk but in action right and so i think that is like the type of strategies that you know there's no bank in ec though Mm, yeah that's a huge opportunity (laughs) exactly so that's a huge opportunity opportunity um, to, to attract a bank, yeah, or exactly. you know, figuring out well, who can you know lead that work simultaneously. Again, looking at looking looking at the community assets and dollars, and saying, "Hey, look, well, this is this is what we have, and we're trying to park it somewhere mm-hmm. in a way that's going to work for us." You know, the way that you know um, institutions work for wealthier communities, making sure that those investment dollars and their and, and the assets are protected and serving the community and making sure that the, the wealth stays there Absolutely. and just kind of just moves and works for itself. But the cool thing is what you were talking about, Tim, is, is as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, what is the Homestead Act 2022, right? You know, like, so what that could look like is, because right now it seems like people just you know, writing checks without any accountability or it's not really going into something that's policy or something that can be pointed to as something that is purposeful, that puts uh, property in people's hands in order to provide economic opportunity for the country, right? So if we could somehow have uh, people agree that there needs to be, because again, checks are being written to folks, but you're seeing them go into this kind of like help help mode, this, all right, write a check, you ain't going to pay me back. But it's not really, that money just is going right back out to those things, to, 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 again, to the supply chain, right, to buy more stuff, to stay in business. And, that's, and so it doesn't still go to our communities, right? So the homes, I'm imagining a Homestead Act 22 <laughs> that could say, hey, I'm going to, like literally get you some land and some property that is going to be non-extractive in nature that is going to serve the needs of your community and you are we're going you're going to hold it into trust to the needs of the people that have been excluded from these opportunities in, in in the past and then we can recreate a very realistic example of how providing assets and dollars to to marginalized folks can actually create an economy that they are a part of, right? So that would be my version of like what would a Homestead Act 2022 would look like. And at the same time, we're talking about emotional reparations, right? And so when I say emotional reparations, um, I'm looking at reparations from a context of you just can't write a check to 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 make good on the wrongs that were done to my people. Right. A check doesn't solve that. Right. You know, love and honor and dignity and acknowledgement and, 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 and those things 
um, pay a real, a real, um, they, they, they contribute way more than writing a check. And so what I try and do is try and separate the, the word of, of, of restitution of what needs to be paid for for what was done to our people, which would be a version of, you know, a homestead act that occurred where it just gave, you know, white people land. And then, of course, they just pushed the indigenous population away and then developed. Again, we, we saw it worked. We saw that when you give land and resources to people and, and have it serve the needs of a lot of people, it creates stability. Stability in a system that I don't 100% agree with, but it does create a version of stability. So can mm-hmm. we do something very similar to that in the form of giving land and dollars to people who have been excluded from these opportunities? And when I say financial restitution and emotional reparations, how does that resonate to you? Because I know that there was, I, re, I read somewhere before that you were in some reparational conversation with the with the Fed or whatever. So I just want to know, the, how does that resonate with you and some of the other conversations around reparations? Because I can tell you up north, ain't a lot of people talking about reparations. <laughs> yeah, so I think the, the first thing is to realize that to me, those are like equally important and they work together i think it's impossible to ignore the fact that however it looks like reparations are owed in every possible way in every part of this country when we really have a a real honest conversation about it i think when it comes to just kind of the the financial aspect of it it is it's one piece of it, and I think if it's done with the intention of just um, here's a check and not the acknowledgement of like the harm and the environment that has been created, I think it's it's just a check, right? Mm-hmm. I think if it's not something that is also sustainable either, then it also it's it's just like another promise that started and stopped and so i think it's very critical as it relates to you know these initiatives around housing that you bring up it's very critical that whatever resources are allocated or brought into the city um to do this that it is it could be that those those initial dollars are temporary but there needs to be a more long-term commitment from the powers that be to say here's the beginning of what we're going to do. Let's go out, find additional resources to make sure that when we launch this thing, it's not just for a short period of time. And let's also acknowledge that this is not enough um, in this moment to actually unlearn, repair, um, heal um, in every possible way um, as we are exploring, like, this op this this opportunity and i think a very intentional like pathway um to reparations i don't think the emotional piece i mean the emotional piece is very important i think it's hard because our communities um are emotionally drained like if we're gonna have a conversation about that Mm -hmm. like emotionally it's like 
I've gotten used to this being the same way. So it's like, if it's anything different, like I don't even have the emotional capacity to like imagine and like dream with you for something different because this has been my reality for so long. And so I think it is finding those moments where you can um, extend the invitation for there to be some emotional repair. And if that is coupled with like tangible resources, then it makes it even more promising and, um, you know, intentional. But at the, at the end of the day, it is, in my opinion, the work that you're doing, the work that you're standing up, the work that you're leading is one particular like component to this. And so I, I would just say like, out of like my love and respect for you, right? To know that no matter like how this unfolds is that there are other organizations and entities that should be standing up strengthening their work alongside you because it is not your responsibility to fix everything that is broken uh in this community right and that would just be very naive for you to go and be like i'm gonna fix this i'm gonna fix that i'm gonna fix that it's like you're bringing a a certain level of skill sets and knowledge and resources in your networks that allow there to be movement in these different spaces but at the same time, like there are just certain things that other people need to see that this is a part of the larger vision that mm-hmm. while Ismael is working on this, I am going to stand up this whole entire housing right. initiative that complements like the work of Lorda. I am going yeah. to stand up this whole other health initiative that complements the work of Lorda, right? And right. then you have those these entities working in tandem and creating a new system, a new platform that that reaches all of the needs of the community but it would be um it would be detrimental for anyone to place the a responsibility or, or a burden like on mm. order to fix everything right. that has happened in east cleveland and i think that is right not realistic exactly. and i think it's completely unfair because at the same time you did not create this problem. It didn't happen overnight. And so it's not going to go away overnight. Yeah. There has to be this collective <clears throat> group of people that are committed to leading work in their respective industries and um, lanes that basically bubble up to the larger vision. Nice. So we're going to wrap. the. In closing, I'm going to, again, th- thank Thank Tim for joining us. He's our second guest uh, that we've had, uh, and uh, invite others, especially East Cleveland um, residents, and as as Tim just said, like other people who are in this space, to join in in the work that we're beginning to do. Um, uh, um, uh, Zaki actually, you know, stated on stage too, like you know, let's where do we fit? Where how do people get in? Where where they fit in? And the work that we're beginning to do as in, in partnership with the library that has offered their resources um, to us as, as, an, as an institution that we're leaning on to do, uh, again, this critical work in our community. Uh, be on the lookout for our next, um, our next conversation, which is going to be in January. We're going to skip December to give people, you know, some time off and 
uh, for the holidays and things like that. And I think it's just gonna it's gonna be easy for us to plan it in January. So we'll tie that together. I want to thank Tim. I want to thank Thea for joining us. I want to thank Steve Dub. Oh, you didn't even get to even talk about should a, should should a, should a white person be allowed in these spaces? Um, I think that's an important conversation as it relates to a couple things. So if you could just touch on that on your on your exit out. Um, and then I also want to thank uh, Brother Zaki for being here. And thanks a ton. I, I really enjoyed it. And a final note from you on who should be allowed to talk in these spaces. I've said before around it's important for us to bring our networks to have these conversations. And the village is a representation of the people that you have had the opportunity to inspire and those that inspire you. That's my interpretation of the, the saying it takes a village. Um, and so without, you know, leading the witness here, I just want to say, <laughs> hey, what are your thoughts on should other people who are not black be allowed to be a part of the conversation, you know, around building, you know, community wealth in, in black owned spaces? So, yes, is my direct response <laughs> um, to expand upon that. It's going to take allies and people with different skill sets and perspectives to like be a part of this work, to really grow the work. It is not just for, um, in my opinion, the work is for the black community. That doesn't restrict the people that help with the work, that the requirement or the the criteria that they be black to help with the work. I think there is also just a very like fine line between like help and assistance and support versus control. And I think what I was experiencing today, you know, in the critical conversation was more so um, the overall lack of like context of like what's happening in this space. And so I think it's important that people remain informed. If they don't don't know, try to find out. I think you're doing a great job of creating spaces where people can get the information. And at the same time, um, we have to wrap our minds around that there are people that have really good intentions that you're not going to bring anybody to the community to disrupt and cause any uh, intentional harm uh, as you're building this. That would be so so crazy of you to yeah. do. And so I think in some ways what I'm hearing and what I to kind of wrap this up is like, you know, change only really happens at like the speed of trust. And so I think there is some trust building uh, that needs to happen publicly at dinner behind the scenes whatever that looks like and at the same time knowing that um everybody that comes in to help you and help this community will not be from this community right um i'm not from east cleveland <laughs> and just because i mean we're gonna have a conversation about it just because i'm black don't mean um for the cause, for the cause. <laughs> right exactly. right and yeah. so but no one questioned my intention right because i came for the right reason my intentions were pure i was very clear about that and so i think at the same time regardless of what somebody looks like i think trusting the fact that you have 
vetted mm-hmm. people that this community means so much to you that you're not gonna bring somebody in here and allow them to like talk sideways and show up sideways, right? Um, yeah. There's a very intentionality around that. And if we're only gonna like base the fact on who can help based on their skin color, that's like a much larger conversation um, because I think if we're gonna be honest, there are some people that look like us that don't want the work to happen, right? For whatever reason, yeah. for, because it's not their idea or you had the meeting at the wrong time yeah. that they couldn't show up and like say, I'm a part of this or they couldn't get a photo op. I mean, whatever it is, yeah. right? I mean, if we're gonna be frank and honest about it, like that happens. And yeah. so let's not, it's about the work. Have judgment because of what somebody looks like, especially if you don't have any context around that, if you yeah. haven't had a conversation around that. And so I think it's important that people understand that it is almost like a requirement to show up into these spaces with some level of conviction of like, this community means so much to me and I'm going to show up in this way, right? Mm-hmm. And at the same time, commitment to like, I am going to make sure that like, whatever I do in this space, it's going to move the work forward. And then a level of curiosity because there might be things that I'm hearing that I have not no knowledge of. And I want to come into these conversations with the curiosity of like, how can I be consistent with my commitment and making those connections to, to move this project forward. And so, um, that's all I would say, yeah. like, on on record. Yeah, no, no, for sure. No, I appreciate it. Sorry for ending it in that way. But, I mean, I, it's just one of those things that is very, you know, I think is going to be con- confronted, you know, especially as it re- relates to just how I move, you know, in general. Like, I'm, 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 as, I'm a very, you know, pro-black, you know, uh, individual as it relates to creating a community-owned supply chain. And, and guess what? Uh, East Cleveland is is 98% black so therefore I support in that and I invite people to be, to support in that no matter where they're at because it's about uh, creating these realities and showing what can happen when you understand where the, where the need is to move forward in a way that's going to serve you know not just our communities but the greater good of all uh and so again I I have a trip to uh to Clarksdale coming up soon I can't wait to hang out with you down in the delta um, again, thanks so much uh, for coming. And uh, this won't will not be your last time here because we gotta. Um, I'm gonna hook you up with Jamal because we um, really want to talk about creating, you know, a really nice um, visual, a nice little documentary around what what it is that we're doing. So I want to definitely talk to you about that. Th- thanks so much, Tim. Like you know, you introduced yourself earlier. You know, early to show. Just let us know. Who was the dude dropping all these gems on this <laughs> podcast that made me uh, so proud to bring you to East Cleveland in this library? So who are you? How can they find you? And then you get the last word. Yeah. So Tim Lampkin, you can find me on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Tim Lampkin. Um, TimLampkin.com as well as our work, Higher Purpose. You can find us online at higherpurposeco.org and at higherpurposeco on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Any any closing remarks to the people of East Cleveland, Tim? I would just say there's so much opportunity and get to work. Um, you can 
create your own definition of success here in East Cleveland. Nice. Appreciate that. Um, again, uh, thanks so much for listening to the Loitering Unknown, po- Loitering Unknown podcast. Um, we have uh, began to harvest and process our, our tea line that will be up on our loiter.us slash marketplace really soon. Um, if you're interested in being a part of that cooperative of growing and being a part of that business, that's going to be a direct-to-consumer a product that's going to go to people um, in their homes, um, you know, via via our, our online marketplace. Send us a message. Uh, go online. Send us an email. Uh, you know, so that's going to be you'll be looking forward to that. Um, we have secured our um, our first sanctuary home, which is adjacent to one of our active urban farms. So we're going to be begin to get that place set up for our actual home for our, our our podcast our home for our art workshops our home for our maker space and then upstairs will be a place for people to next time you come out tim uh you'll be able to stay in east cleveland and talk about what it was like to stay in east cleveland when you came to visit again that narrative change piece to make sure we have these places for people to talk about east cleveland in a positive light um so that's coming up our next conversation i mentioned earlier is going to be in january stay tuned for updates to that and uh I think that's it. I mean, we be, you know, thanks. If you're interested in joining the podcast, you know, send me or Jamal an email. All right, peace.